Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. It's a beeping compliment. Russell, I'm not saying anything wrong. Beep. Papa, can I talk to you about something? Tell me anything. That word. Nice. You say it a lot. I do? Yeah, kind of all the time. Hi, sweetheart. Come here. I thought of a new game we can play. What kind of game? A learning game. <sighs> Is this because I got in trouble for saying Barney Footsman had bad breath? Maybe. The Struggle Is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of The Struggle is Real. I'm Veronica Avila, along with my co-host, Omar Ramos. Hello, Omar. Veronica, how are you? And hello, Dr. Alicia. It's been a while. Ladies, how are you? We're doing well. Doing well. That's great. We've got a, a very special episode. It's part of that lifelong learning journey, and we've called it Vocabulary from K to Infinity. Sounds super interesting. Now, to talk more about this podcast in particular, we've invited Principal Estuardo Massina, who leads a team of 75 employees who positively act impact the lives of 650 students at John Barry Elementary in the northwest side of Chicago. Now, Principal Masin was born in Guatemala City and raised in Chicago and Guatemala. He holds an undergraduate degree in psychology and graduate degrees in educational counseling and business administration from Roosevelt University. Now, listen to this. He's been with CPS for almost two decades, working as a teacher, wow. teacher lead, case manager, counselor, assistant principal, and principal. His work experience also includes social services in the mental health field. Welcome, Principal Estuardo Massin. Thank you. Very happy to be here. And very involved. I know I know we've worked, Family Bridges has worked in your school, and we've done a couple of programs there with the parents, and I know that you're very involved. So thank you again for being here. Now, talking about vocabulary, let's, let's get real here, guys. Let's see. Do you remember using a particular technique to expand your vocabulary? My goodness gracious. Yeah. Garbage pill kid cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go back and I'm like, what, what is it? Oh, hey, you said no, when I was a yes, kid, so I'm yeah. taking it way back old school. Course, so, yeah, yeah, I would be reading them, you know, okay, 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 this is how you say that, this is how you say that. Of course, I'm not going to repeat the names here of some of the characters. <laughs> so, it was that, and of course, uh, those encyclopedias that they would sell mm. to uh-huh. your parents, you know, those door to door salesmen? Yes. That would like promise your kids being like, like almost handing in the opportunity to go to the university if mm-hmm. you bought this encyclopedia and all that good stuff. So, I would leave it at that. I think that would be like what I kind of looked at to try to expand my vocab back in the day. Cool. Doctor? You know, I just remember trying to learn English with these little books that my dad would bring us, that they were like cartoon books. Uh huh. Those were my lifesaver because, you know, the cartoons would tell the picture and I would try to read them. And then I also remember suffering through, you know how you had to write the words 50 mm-hmm. times? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I like that very much. Principal? <laughs> <laughs> I still remember my mom putting the dictionary and having me write 10 words each day from the dictionary. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's we went through it. that dictionary a few times throughout my lifetime. Oh, wow. Well, that was a pretty good <laughs> exercise, no? Were you were you bored to death? Well, I, I must admit, I didn't like it at all during that time. But now I'm thankful that she did do that for me. That's all right. Awesome. Very cool. You know, and, it, and it's something as a father that I've tried to find different ways because uh, my, my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. she's a little timid at times. But I've noticed as of late that she has like this hunger of learning like new words and stuff like that in English and Spanish. So that's something we'll be looking forward to. Now, uh, I want to share 
Well, I shouldn't say the full name here, but we were talking about the movie, and I didn't want Russell to say it, so I told him he could call him Fat Beep. Opened up a can of worms, I see. Yes, uh, Russell was sent here after he told his professor he was a funny mother beeper. It's a beeping compliment. Russell, I'm not saying anything wrong. Beep, you need to stop. Why? You said I could beeping do it. Just because you're censoring yourself doesn't mean we don't hear the words in our minds. It's true. I know what those beeps mean, and the words they're covering are straight off a sailor's tattoos. But I'm covering them. I don't get in trouble for being naked under my clothes. Russell, it's about the words' intentions. What do you intend to do with those beeps? You're clearly trying to curse. I'm trying not to curse. I'm watching my beeping mouth. Apparently, all the other kids thought it was quite hilarious. I suspect they all know what the beeps are substituting. Is that why you're doing this, honey? 
Are you just doing this to get a rise out of people? You know that's how curse words work, right? I'm not cursing. I'm just saying beep. Well, then why don't you just say beep? What do you mean? Tell me about your day, but you can only say beep. Well, beep. Beep, 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 beep. I couldn't understand any of that. Could you, Principal Gertrude? Not a word. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Now, Russell, you just sound like a car backing up. Russell, all our words have intentions, and that intention comes from context. You can say beep this and beep that too and mean the real words. It just has to work in context. You've heard me when I've stubbed my toe. Beep, 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 He sounds like I-90 traffic. Russell, will you just go back to talking regularly without the secret curse words? Okay, Mom. I will. Wow. It actually feels nice to say real words again. Oh, well, there's the beep. <laughs> I mean the bell. <laughs> now, don't be late for class, Russell, and I don't want to see you in here again. Now, bring in the Collins boy. What'd he do? Okay, well, we just heard 10-year-old Russell called into the principal's office for using the word beep to cover curse words. Now, Mom was called in, and we heard the whole story behind his word selection. Doctor, how do we teach kids about curse words? Well, I think they did a nice job in talking about the intent. When we focus just on the rules, we teach this a lot in our workshops. When we just focus with our kids and we just lay down the law without explaining the reason behind mm -hmm. the rules, they tend to be, get defensive, ignore, and it's just a harder battle for you as a parent. So I know often we want to resort to the, because I said so, <laughs> um, it's easier mm -hmm. and, it, you know, we're... We have a lot going on, but it takes more time to, as the skit took the time to really explain to the kid what is the intent behind the words. So ultimately, what do we want to teach our kids? Respect. Individuals are respected. Mm -hmm. And so that's the value that we're trying to teach. So going back to the value and aligning what we're trying to explain and just talking it through, it's important to take that time and explain and walk them through that process so that they see it's not just us as parents laying down rules for the sake of laying down rules, that there's actually a value that we're trying to uphold. And in a way that they can understand it. Right, right. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Alicia, for breaking it down for us. Principal Masin, I want to ask you, have you ever had a similar experience and how did you manage it? And what can you say to parents about these types of situations? Sure. Obviously, at the school, there's many times that we have to address issues like this. Mm -hmm. One one of the, the philosophies that we have at the school is to have teachers and students understand that, that there's power in words. Mm -hmm. It has the powers to build or powers to break apart. Mm -hmm. So what we want to make sure we always do to not only parents and students, but really to students when we deal with detention and situations with incidents is to ensure that they understand that let's use words that build up and words that construct mm -hmm. and that really support the self-esteem of students. And we try to do that by rehearsing. Many times we go through skits, hey, how, let's talk about uh, this situation. How could you have responded differently? What could you have done differently? And we sort of role play with the students mm -hmm. and give them and expand their ability to understand that there's other ways that they can share their thoughts, their emotions, their feelings in a positive way. And has it worked for you? 
it has worked quite good. Not all the time, of course, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of things that are influencing children. You know, we're trying to set uh, positive discipline, responsive classroom discipline within the school, but there's struggles that they have within if they don't see this as a model that's happening at home, mm-hmm. if they don't see that the peers are using the appropriate words. And sometimes there's layers of either trying to fit in, layers of self-esteem, layers of wanting to, to have status within the classroom. So there's a lot of different dynamics that we need to be addressing all at the same time. But uh, overall, what we want to make sure that the children understand is that there's a different way of addressing situations and that there's an alternative way of responding to issues that is not aggressively or affecting or that would lead to things that are uh, uh, more volatile like fighting physical fights. All right. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you for that. I really liked the fact that you said you do rehearsing even with the kids so they can have a chance to to practice what you've just taught them. Yes. I think what happens is a lot of the kids, you know, it's easy for you to say, hey, don't say that. That's not Mm -hmm. nice. But if you don't give kids the uh, tools that they need in order to make better choices, then they really don't know what you mean. So what you want to do is say, well, let's let's rehearse this again. Let's do this again. If Johnny comes to you and tells you X, Y, and C, let's rehearse one positive way that you can respond. And that really just opens up the repertoire and it gives them tools that they can use whenever the conflict arises with other students. We are the role model, right? So sometimes we tell them, don't say this. And at home, we can say, well, I want you to do this. When you're on the road, I know it's happened to me. I've got my kids in the car and I'm on the road and somebody just cuts me off and it just automatically... (laughs) And then I'm trying to teach them and then they'll be like, mommy, what is that? It hits me and I'm like, ah... That was a bad word. Don't say it. Mom should have said it, but I was upset. Yeah, no, don't say it. But I already, it just came out. So what can you say to parents like me that maybe you're, you're driving and these come out because, you know, circumstances, well, I guess. I yeah, well, obviously, we, we're the primary models, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we use that vocabulary at home, they're just going to mirror what we say. I mean, I have so many examples of my kids spitting out words that are my words, and I just look at them funny, you know, right? But they're just mirroring what you are. (laughs) So um, in this case, with cursing, um, as a parent, if we have a dirty mouth, we need to be the ones that need to work on it ourselves. Because as the principal said, there's only so much that can be done in the school context, right? And But if they're living this at home, then, you know, this is this is who they're li- living with. So start with yourself as a parent. You know, if we're asking our kids to be respectful of others, are we doing that ourselves in our own home? Are we respecting each other? Are we just instigating? And I think oftentimes it's used as some kind of crutch for when we're angry. Um, and so if if you find yourself going to cursing because you're angry, then it means that you need to figure out another way to deal with the anger. So mm-hmm. if you're finding yourself, you know, in the highway and it's repeatedly something that you do, then you need to come up with some alternative thing to <laughs> sing a song, the find a rhyme. <laughs> yeah, well, with that. the highway. Um, <laughs> sing, yeah. Get a tune and sing the song, yes. you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Have something that's alternative to that so that it could be that which you go to. So then by doing that, what you're teaching your kids is another appropriate way to deal with the anger, right. you know, because right. if you're using language as a way to vent um, and do it negatively, then you need to have something alternative to that. So figure out why you as a parent are using cursing as a crutch and work on it yourself before you start demanding it of your kids, right? Hmm, that, it's true. It's true. Something to think about. Uh, please don't cut me off on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> that too. All right. All righty. So thank you for sharing that with us, guys. And we're going to move forward now to our next sketch. This is called More Than Just Nice. Hey, Papa. Hey, Josh. Are you ready for your concert tonight? I'm very ready. I can't wait. Nice. 
Yeah, let's get there early because there's no reserved seating for parents, and I don't want you to have to stand on your knee. Nice. I'll be going second to last too. Nice. Papa, can I talk to you about something? Uh, tell me anything. That word, nice. You say it a lot. I do. Yeah, kinda all the time. Do I use the word wrong? No, Papa. You use the word right, and your English is great for the most part. I try to speak good. Well. Well, what? You try to speak well. Now I have to speak Spanish, English, and well. Well, that's deep. <laughs> Very funny, Papa. <laughs> I wanted to say when you when you just say nice, it feels like I don't know how you really feel. I I I feel things are nice. Yeah, but nice just means like not bad. I worked really hard for this concert, but after all that, you'll just say nice no matter what I play. Josh, it is what you're playing not nice. It's very you. You know how I think music as colors. So this, it sounds very bright, yellow, and happy. Nice, <sighs> Papa. Could you say it makes you happy? And then this, dark, red, and scary. Right. Right, it makes me feel like something malo is going to happen, like a witch is close. Yeah, I appreciate knowing that you can speak this language with me a little bit. Look at me, trilingual, <laughs> or two and a half lingual. <laughs> What's the half? I'm not really good at speaking to las chicas. Papa, <laughs> I, I will try to say more when I say things at all. Don't hurt your brain or anything. I got space for more in here. If not. I'll just forget some streets in Arequipa. Finish your practice. I'll be ready to go soon. Okay, so we're back in the scenario. Maybe very familiar to some of us, coming from a uh, multilingual home. Mm -hmm. Too many parents listening out there. Why is it important that we take the initiative to expand our own vocabulary to communicate with our kids and with everyone in general, Dr. Alicia? Well, sure. I mean, we always want to learn. And the nice thing that is that we continuously learn. I, I'm going to pull back, though, and look at the scenario. I've seen it a lot of times, especially with spouses, where one perhaps is, you know, from North America in this case, and another is from, you know, Latin mm -hmm. America or something like that. And the one person's always correcting the other and it mm -hmm. could get really under their skin. Yeah. So you've seen it, I guess, I've seen it with different yes. diets in the family. And I think overall, whether it's the spouse or the kids, I think we should encourage our kids to just have grace because there's just a lot of things to consider. Mm -hmm. So sure, as parents, we always can learn. And the beautiful thing about learning is that it's never too late. Um, we could be, you know, 80 and we could still be learning. We all know the stories of people that mm -hmm. go back to school. So principal here would agree with that, that learning is always appropriate. And as parents, we can always learn and expand our vocabulary. But I would also encourage kids to have grace because it's not easy to learn a new language. And sometimes I've seen kids be so mean and demanding of their parents mm -hmm. and in that way be disrespectful towards them. I mean, you know, yeah, of course you came little or you grew up in the United States or, you know, you learned the language so it's easy. But if you come when you're like 50 or something and you start mm -hmm. learning. So there's just different context. And I think kids, we need to also be graceful and we need to teach our kids to be graceful with us as well as with others. Yes. And I think that's a very, very important point, doctor, because sometimes I guess we want to, we want to say the things correctly, but the kids, it's funny to them or, or they can get frustrated and they can, they can maybe inadvertently be 
mean to us or, you know, to, to the parent. But I know that there are many parents that are trying to, to learn how to communicate better. And I know Principal Massine at your school, you're positively impacting children in your school, but also parents. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with parents, especially bilingual parents or, or multilingual parents, to help support their language skills? And why is it important that schools and parents team up sure. for this effort? So the first thing I want to just underscore is the fact that it's important to elevate languages, multi-languages. Mm-hmm. So yes. in the case of the school that we're in, we elevate and we give the same balance and the same value to Spanish just as English. Mm-hmm. And one is not better than the other. Of course not. And even though we live, in the, we live in the United States, we want to make sure that parents and children understand, hey, there's a heritage behind you're coming from. And you yes. should be proud that maybe you speak a little broken Spanish, mm-hmm. but there's heritage and there's value and there's strength in the language that you represent or that your family represents. With our parents, you know, language is obviously for many of our parents a little limited. English language is a little limited for obvious reasons. And some ways that we try to really ensure is that we're supporting that is building that bridge by having people that speak both languages that can help them translate, encourage parents to read and have the kids read to the parents as well is one of those strategies that we also help. And we tell the kids, share with your mom and dad what you've learned during the day. Ensure that if they have questions about something that they're not understanding because it's in a different language, try to explain to them, break it down for them, unpack the word for them so they're able to understand. And at the same time, we're encouraging our parents to make sure that we're not losing the value of Spanish with our kids and that if they're not able to understand something in English, go ahead and say it to them in Spanish Mm -hmm. and have them say how to figure out a way that they could bridge both languages together to ensure, again, that there's value and that there's power and that they're both learning at the same time. Love it. You know, and I would add, I don't know if you've seen that kids often act as cultural brokers where they're sometimes the ones that quickly learn the language. Perhaps they start translating more for the parents Absolutely. and then gain more power yeah. in the family. Yes. And so how as a parent, you really, yeah, okay, it makes sense that you rely on your kids from time to time. Yeah. I understand it. Yeah. But it's so important for parents to continue to learn the language because it does create a power differential. Sure. You've seen that in the Absolutely. School? It happens quite a lot. And, you know, the encouragement that we give our parents is, you know, don't ever stop learning. You're never too old or it's never too late to go ahead and learn another language. Yeah. Yes, it's different, but go ahead and do what you can from yourself in order to empower yourself and learn. So, Have you seen that kids lie to the parents because of the language, you know, the grades or whatever? Car, they modify the, the translation? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mom says I'm doing okay, you know, or teacher says I'm doing all right. So absolutely that happens. Yeah. And how do you handle that? <laughs> so obviously we want to make sure that we teach kids that it's never, truth always comes out. Of course. Yeah. Truth always prevails. So you want to make sure that kids understand that regardless of what you think you're telling parents, sooner than later, the truth will come out, whether it is through a conference with a teacher, whether they come to me, whether parents come in and ask clarification. And I think one thing that we really try to nurture at our schools is to ensure that parents know that they, there's a welcoming environment. Any question, any doubt, any any suggestion, any way that you think we can enhance that communication, our doors are open. And that really just frees the parents to understand that we're partners and that whether they don't understand a homework that was given to their student by the teacher or they're not understanding something that a communication between a teacher and them, that the school is open to be that bridge and that translator to support and to make sure that they're learning. And you know, and I would say that that's the case. I know you're representing one school in Chicago mm-hmm. and parents listening to this podcast are in different areas of the country. Wouldn't you say that that's the case, that generally schools are there, they have a welcoming, supportive stance? Absolutely, might be, yes. You know, some school or some teacher that's not out there, but for the most part, you would say that there is a mm-hmm. level of collaboration and wanting the parents to participate. We always, as educators in the field, we understand the power of parents in the support of students. So definitely 
we want to bridge that gap. We want to make sure that parents understand that there is bound to have at least one person in that school that will hear you, that will give you the time that you need in order to, to make your point across. So absolutely, reach out to the schools. Yeah, awesome. And also for the teachers and the school administrators that are listening to us, thank you for your support and your teamwork with parents because it's essential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very important. I wish I could have had that back in the day. <laughs> it, well, w- now it wasn't can, available right? now, but God bless uh, everybody that's made an effort to help out parents <laughs> and the students uh, get through their uh, academic career. So this next question, I was uh, kind of processing it because it really touches home with me. Some people are people with few words. If that's the case, Dr. Alicia, in what other ways can we help our kids feel our support? And I ask you this because I remember when I was young, I knew my mom and dad were working all the time. And when they got home, they were exhausted. And I would let them know about whether I hit a home run or something when I was in Pony League. And it was like, oh, okay, good for you. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And it was like, okay, I guess that's a positive thing. I wish I could have received some other feedback that I would hear from other parents. But at the same time, I think at a very young age, I developed this this awareness that my parents were not of many words, Mm -hmm. you know. But at the same time, I was just grateful that they would just kind of acknowledge me. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted some kind of, I don't know. Validation. Validation is a word. Thank you so much. And if, if there's parents that just can't open up and be expressive, maybe because they just didn't grow up that way, sure. what other ways can we, can a parent show some some kind of uh, positive reaction to their kids so that they don't feel like they're just kind of being ignored? Well, I mean, it sounds like you reappraised the situation correctly. There's a different generation back in the day. Perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, just you don't talk as much. Right now we're in an era where communication mm-hmm. is definitely highlighted and there's tools. And so we teach, for example, in our workshops, please, when you, when you talk and you communicate, you want to match the tone, the energy, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the words. Validate it because, hey, you're excited. You come home from the game. You want someone to be excited with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, they're flat. You know, you're just, you know, you can't. So it's it's that experience, and so that's that's what we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, other kids went out to pizza, and I was like just going <laughs> home and, and out of the back. You. Yeah, and so those kinds of things is what we want to teach and encourage. So you're sad yeah. and you're moping, and someone comes and's like, ah, yeah, everything's okay. You know, that just, there's a mismatch. So there's yeah. that idea of mismatch. But, you know, the other thing is, yeah, what do you do when, when a parent is either just more introverted? And the idea of an introverted is just personality nuanced, mm-hmm. as well as vocabulary nuanced. Um, So if it's personality nuanced, it's, you know, the introverted person just gets their energy from being by themselves and just, you know, you've worked all day, you've had a bunch of people interacting with you and you need to just shut down in a corner. And there's a lot of parents that are introverted and it's exhausting for them to interact and they just need to pull back. And so, yeah, as kids, you know, we need to be understanding of that. And on the other hand, you've got extroverts, right? They get activated with other people and they're more energetic Mm -hmm. and they're more engaged. And so there's personality nuanced in that, that there's not much you can do with that. I think as kids or as parents, we can spend time with kids. I think the last thing is our love languages, too, isn't there? You know, um, Gary Chapman, if some of you are familiar with his work, he talks about the five love languages. I think there's some truth to that in the sense that there's different ways we express our love. Some of us are just more inclined to spend time with individuals, others with gifts Mm -hmm. of words Words of affirmation. affirmation. (laughs) So for some of us, it's. I think all of us appreciate words of affirmation, but for some of us, some of our kids, mm-hmm. that's just even more valued. Whereas others, you know, you can give them a gift and they just brighten up. And so it's multiple reasons yeah. behind the silence and how we can break that. Yeah. Communication tips helps understanding our personality and understanding how yeah. we love and receive love. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's uh, vital stuff that you're sharing with us, Dr. Lisa, because it's something that I'm kind of practicing on my with myself and my daughter. Because mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, my dad didn't know how to say felicidades or congratulations. However, 
he knew that I loved to go to the um, animal auction. Mm -hmm. And that was his way of saying congratulations because mm -hmm. he, that was a way that he could kind of make me feel happy. Mm -hmm. That was my reward because he was taking me somewhere that he knew that I'd love to be at. So Yeah, and I think we might be given specific DNA, if you will, mm -hmm. and we might be quieter than others, but it doesn't mean we can't learn. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's talked about today is, is that growth mindset. We can always learn and grow. So, yes, yeah. you could be an introverted or more quiet, but it doesn't mean that you can't be aware that your child loves words of affirmation, though that's yes. important, and yeah. that you can't step out of that and say, you know, honey, I love you for that because kids crave that. Yeah. So you can still step out of your comfort zone and do what you need to do in order to be a good parent. Yes, yes. And I know I'm, it's going to sound like a commercial, but we've, we're talking about it. So just go and look it up. Five love languages <laughs> for, for adults and also for kids that's out there. It's going to help that parent-child bond for sure. That did sound like a commercial, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oops. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's go into our last sketch. This is called $5 Words. Hi, Mom. What's that? Hi, sweetheart. Come here. I thought of a new game we can play. What kind of game? A learning game. <sighs> Is this because I got in trouble for saying Barney Footsman had bad breath? Maybe. But he does have bad breath. Do you know what this is? It looks like dishes. Yeah, that's what these are. But this whole thing is a scale. You see? You put something here. And the scale dips to one side. You toss another little something here. And the scale evens out. You get it? Let me touch it. Okay, but be careful. A long time ago, people used to use scales to decide how valuable things were. The more that something tipped to one side or the other, the more value it had. Okay, but what game can we play with the scale? I'll show you. What do you think of my hair? It's okay. Okay. Not good, not bad. Eh, one penny. What did you think of dinner last night? Fish makes me gag. It smells like cat vomit. All right. And there goes your penny. Hey! Not my fault those words had no value. Try some other words. Some other words? Yeah. Think of something that needs to be said. Something that would just make my day. You, um, uh, you have really nice eyes. All right. Beautiful eyes. That was nice. And I really like your joke about the interrupting bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> so I get points for being nice? Nope. You can't just say nice things back and forth all day. That'd be pretty boring. You get points for saying things that you think are true, that you think other people need to hear. People don't need to hear every little thought you have, you know? Sometimes it could really hurt their feelings, but sometimes your words can just brighten up someone's whole day. That's when your words become the most valuable. Okay, okay. Let me try one more. Go ahead. I love you. I love you too, sweetheart. Don't I get any points? Oh, right. Jackpot! And I'm out of pennies, so that means the game is over. Who won? Both of us. Well, that was a sweet sketch. We heard Mom teaching her seven-year-old daughter, Claudia, the value of words and how they can build or hurt people. That was very clever, I thought. Now, how important is it, Doctor, that we talk to our kids about this and how early do we start? 
Yeah, early. And I like that the example was concrete. So it was looking at, you know, that she's a seven-year-old and the mom was being very concrete and mm-hmm. doing, you know, having a fun game. Um, so it just goes to show that you can be very creative with your kids and when you're trying to teach them principles. So, yeah, I think, you know, as early as you can teach them just the value of words and how important they are. And again, it just can't keep stressing how important it is that we can teach it. But if we don't model it, model it mm-hmm. you know, it just slides off. So the best way is encouraging your own children. You don't have to smother them with praise and overdo it because mm-hmm. we know that that, yeah. that doesn't lead to... Excess is always... Right, but yeah. just lifting people up and yeah. being motivating. You can do it. Um, last time you read this whole entire book, so I know you can read this new book. You finished this puzzle once, so you can do it again, that kind of thing. So we're, we're encouraging people. We don't have to smother them with praise and do it, overdo it, but we can definitely build them up. And if we build them up, they're going to be able to build others up. But if all they hear yes. is put-me-downs, you're up to no good, you're just a terrible kid, and all these put-me-downs, well, is it surprising that they're going to turn around and do that with their peers? Yeah. yeah. Now, do any of you practice teaching games like this? You do. I know you do with the cotton balls. <laughs> oh, well, I've done Remember? cotton balls, but not... Not any ball. Let's start looking up some games, and then maybe, maybe we can show them with the audience. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, well, it's been a while for me, because yeah. uh, my kid's 12 now, so yeah. 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 She was a lot younger. We, I think we did things get like away with things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, Principal Massine, there was a moment in the sketch where uh, little Claudia said, Oh, I get coins for being nice? And mom taught her a lesson. Now, we don't want kids to be mean, but we don't want them to be nice just for being nice. In your advice, how do we help identify and avoid saying bluff and rather speak truth? And if it's a hard truth to deliver in in a kind way? Sure. So I think it all starts again with the intentionality of our words. Early on in the school, we, we there's a strategy that we use called responsive classrooms, which is really teaching early on in, kin, in pre-K different ways that kids can respond when something happens. So when a situation occurs that somebody's hurt, mm-hmm. instead of really attacking the person, we teach the children, well, can we talk about what happened and can we figure out ways that we can resolve this together? The way that is done is that everybody sits in a circle and they talk about any issues that occurred the day before, whether it was at recess, whether in line or what have you. And then with that, as a group, collectively, the students come up with ideas of how to address it in a way that's that's peaceful and not hurtful. The other strategy that sometimes has been used is um, there's a book that's used quite a lot for kindergarten and first graders where you teach children about the importance of being a bucket filler or a bucket dipper. Mm-hmm. And basically with bucket fi- uh, filler is you're filling, you're, you're teaching the child that they should be filling people's buckets, their soul, mm-hmm. their heart with praise and with admiration and with qualities. And then whenever something bad, they say something that's negative or hurtful, then automatically they just say, hey, I, I think I'm hearing a bucket dipper here. Can we work and make it a bucket filler instead? And so instead of really addressing the issue in a negative way or or shaming the child for something that they did wrong, they highlight the fact that something positive should be said and that what came out of their mouth was negative. I like that exercise. All Very right. good. Yeah, I just wrote Very that good. down right now. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Now, there's also a philosophy out there uh, by the three gates of speech. It says, before you speak, let the words pass through the three gates. And here go the three gates. At the first gate, ask yourself, is it true? Second gate, is it necessary? And third gate, is it kind? And then if it's not, then should we probably just stay silent? I like that. Mm. I like those three steps. Those are good ones for our kids. It gives us a, a sense because there's certainly a lot of times that we need to stay silent. Especially kids. They're just hilarious. At least my kids are in elementary. <laughs> they all just say things, you know, whatever's in their, you know, they just blurt it out. So I think I need to go home and tell them that there's three gates. Filters. Showing filters. 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 <laughs> yeah. Put in a poster. <laughs> That's great. Ah. Uh. 
I can't believe we already came to the conclusion of this podcast. Yeah. My goodness, we were just getting so psyched up here and it seemed like you were just barely uh, really getting starting to process. Yeah, getting it going. Rocket. So, uh, yeah, so thank you both for sharing your expertise and tips with us today. Principal Estuardo, any last comments you'd like to add? Just, you know, commend you again for the work that you're doing and to really just encourage parents. It's never too late to learn. It's never too late to communicate. Ask questions to your children. Ask them about their day. Involve them in dialogue. And above all, uh, let's uh, role model, be positive mm -hmm. role models out there. Very cool. Thank you. Doctor, what's your recap for today's Keeping It Real segment? You know, I would just add that there's a problem that speaks about how our actions and behaviors, um, you know, they reflect what's in the abundance of our heart. So our kids are going to speak forth words that's in their heart. And so if, if we infuse in them love, if we care for them, if we pay attention to them, if they feel validated, if they're having enriching experience, they're going to speak forth that way. But if what they're experiencing is abuse and just criticism and negativity, that's what's going to spill out. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, and it's something that you see a lot nowadays and I've seen certain uh, behaviors from some parents and I just, I sometimes I feel like I just want to like intervene and help out, but I'll just put them in my prayers for right now. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, that's a wrap up for today's episode of The Struggle is Real. Additional resources can be found at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. Stay connected via social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real, hashtag TSIR. Now for checking us out, thank you so much. I am Omar Ramos with Dr. Alicia Laos and Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.